Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Chicago Bears have made a big move. And yes, I'm going to sit here and say big move. And Keel Harry, a player that we have talked about before on this podcast, the kind of guy, the kind of low-cost, low-risk wide receiver who has a lot of upside is the perfect player for the Chicago Bears. And we're going to talk about that tonight with Clay Harbor, former NFL superstar, and uh, some of you might know him from The Bachelorette. But listen, he's a former NFL player. So, Sammy, let's not waste any time. Let's start the show. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Adam Ray. Trying to cut it back. Justin Fields making magic happen. There goes Fields. Touchdown. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. It's Tuesday night. You know what that means. It's time for Take It to the Rank. And it's me, Adam Rank, in New York City. Yeah, I'm here in this hotel room in downtown Manhattan. Yes, we've been doing good morning football all week. We will be here through Friday. So uh, get used to this room. It's not, listen, it's not normally what we're used to seeing me in. But you know what? That's okay. That's fine. Because our guest tonight has, has got the perfect lighting. And he deserves it more than me. He's the face. He is the handsome face that you need to see, not mine. So let's bring him onto the show. Clay Harbor is with us tonight. Clay, how are you? I'm doing great, Adam. I appreciate the intro when you called me the NFL superstar. I did play nine years in the league, but I would not say I was a superstar. You know, I was out there on the special teams. I was doing the H-back, the move stuff. But, you know, I love the game, love talking ball. Appreciate you having me on. No, we really love having you on. And honestly, like any, listen, anybody who makes it to the NFL level, in my estimation, is an NFL superstar. So let's make no mistake about that. I believe, how many career touchdowns? Was it eight? Eight career touchdowns. If you count the preseason, man, I would have been a preseason Hall of Famer. I probably had about eight to 10 in the preseason. So eight touchdowns, regular season, couple, another eight probably in the the preseason. Every time you scored one of those preseason touchdowns, I would always be like, this is a guy. In the last round of your fantasy draft, make sure you're picking Clay Harbor because he gets onto the field. You could block, you could do it all, and obviously uh, you had a you had a nice run there. Then you went on, you did the Bachelorette, broke your wrist. We talked about this last time you were on the show. I, I got to tell you those those male models instantly when you were on that show. And who was it? Was it Robbie? Who was the guy? Like I just didn't like the guy's just, name was Jordan, the male model. Jordan, Jordan. that's what yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah. That guy was the worst. I don't know yeah. if you're friends with him. I don't want to besmirch him, yeah. but uh, did not care for him. But I, I like you, though. I've always I liked you. I appreciate that. No, you're, you, know you're... Whole, you know my whole bio, Adam. I always <laughs> love it, man. You know the Bachelor world. You know all the football stuff. So can't get anything past you. Yeah, it's true. And it's you know it, it's so funny, too, because you have always been, and I, we, I know we talked about this last time, but we can't assume that everybody watched that previous episode. Yeah. I always appreciated you when you were on Bachelor in Paradise and you're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not getting engaged after a week. I'm so I really like this young lady, but it's not, I'm not running into a marriage 
just to make Chris Hansen happy so he can get his whoever the guy, the Neil, whoever the diamond guy was. Like, yeah, Neil Lane. Neil Lane. Yeah. So Chris Harrison, Adam, Chris Hansen's the guy who used to run that Dateline. Oh, that's right. Catch a predator. So a little different, you know, Chris Harrison, Chris Hansen, but uh, Chris Harrison, yeah, they would try to uh, like, listen, you should really get engaged. I'm like, no, I've known her for two weeks. I'm not going to do that. This is not happening. I'll date her. I want to date her and maybe get to know her a little bit more, but I'm not going to get down to the knee after two weeks. Yeah, we're not doing that. So I always appreciated that. So I always appreciated your level-headedness. Like you've got, like, you know what you're doing. You've, you've, you're now building up your resume in the world of television as well, becoming a big star in that industry. But let's talk a little bit about the Chicago Bears because today the Bears are sending a seventh round pick to one of your former teams, the New England Patriots, for in Keel Harry, a former first round pick out of Arizona State. I'm curious as to how do you, how do you view this move? You know, I love it. I love it for the Bears. And um, yeah. I think it was something the Patriots had to do because if you don't, if you remember, you know, Harry requested a trade before last season. They just couldn't get it done. So this is something they had to do. I don't think they got what they wanted. This guy's a former first round pick, okay? Mm-hmm. This guy was a first round draft pick who had 300, what, 300 catches, 3,000 yards in college, 213 receptions. Um, he was a track star, a uh, three-sport athlete in high school. This guy's younger than Velas Jones. He's 24 years old, okay? He's 24 years old. He's 6'2", 230-pound beast, younger than Velas Jones. This is a great move for them. Obviously, he hasn't really set the world on fire since being in the league. I did a little research on him because, you know, I want to know the home team's picking up, being a Bears fan my entire life, born right. in Libertyville, from Chicago, live in Chicago. Um Great blocker. You know, PFF has yeah. him as, as the third best blocker in the league. Um, you know, but he is the 101st receiver above with above 15 targets in the league. Graded is that. So great blocker. So it's telling me he's putting forth that putting forth the effort. This is an effort, guys, coming from New England. That is a tough playbook to know. I've played yeah. in a lot of different teams, you know, that there's some some benefits and some negatives to doing that. But New England's playbook was very difficult. I picked up the Jaguars playbook like that. I get traded. I get cut midseason with the Patriots. I go to Detroit on a Tuesday. I'm playing on Sunday. I know the playbook. <laughs> I could pick up a playbook, New England's playbook. If yeah. you're a receiver and you know that playbook and you have to move around, that's tough. That tells me he's a smart player. I think Poles is going after specific type guys. He's a first-round draft book pick. He's a Bill Belichick guy. Obviously, Bill does his homework. He's only taken a specific type of guy to that system. So I think this will be a good fit. It'll be a good option, good opportunity for him, a former first-round pick, to really show that he um, that he's better than what he's put forth in the NFL so far. Yeah, I don't think it's unusual for guys to go to a situation. It doesn't necessarily work out for them. It usually works out in reverse for the New England Patriots. If you think about players like Wes Walker, who bounced around the NFL. I think he was drafted by the Chargers, played some with the Dolphins, then goes to New England, obviously, and has a great career. So it's not unheard of. And I know, again, like talking about how young he is, and this isn't a shot at Bayless Jones Jr., which, by the way, that interview that we did on the Sick Podcast was picked up all over the place where he was talking about his age and maturity. And I I, I just think that it, you, it just brings something different to the table I went back and looked at what Lance Zerline had in his initial scouting report on NFL.com. 
he had in Kill Harry as an Allen Robinson type of player. And Allen Robinson, before everything that happened last season, was good blocking, great effort. So to me, I think, again, like it's low cost. Like why? I I don't know. And I don't know if it's just haters just naturally reacting to things and wanting to make fun of things. Why do people have to be negative about things like this? As a, as a Bears fan, I don't understand. I think Poles did a great job. He, he gave up a 2024 seventh-round draft pick. Low cost. Um, just give this guy an opportunity to show what he can do. Allen Robinson type player. I love that. I love that description. Obviously, A Rob's a guy that I played with for uh, for three seasons in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. You know, loved A Rob, hardworking guy. You know, I'm excited to see what he does over in um, in Los Angeles. I think he'll he'll do well this year. But it's something they need. He's a big guy. You put him on the field with Mooney. I like the tight end, the tight end core. Cole Komet, like uh, James O'Shaughnessy, Ryan Griffin. I talked about them last time. You know, I want to see what Vitalis Jones can do. And uh, I think this is a great addition. Yeah. What is the expectation when you are get, when you trade a seventh round pick? Obviously, you you don't have a lot invested in him. I see people saying like, "Well, he's not a lock to make the team." But when you look at the wide receivers that the Bears have, I think there's a, a huge opportunity for him. So I I'm not saying that he's guaranteed a spot to be on this team, but I think he's got a really good chance of making the making the opening day roster. A huge opportunity. You know, obviously Mooney, to me, is the only guy that's really penciled in. You know, St. Brown, um, I think you got some good players there, but I think that he could, realistically, he could if he shows he can play and he plays well through training camp and in preseason, I think realistically he could be a number two receiver for this team. It's not out of the realm of possibilities for me. If he goes in, he's impressing people, he's making plays, I could see him, you know, being a number two. There's no... You know, we obviously signed a couple of guys that can play, but there's no number two, in my opinion, set in stone here in Chicago besides Mooney. Yeah. So I think it's a great opportunity for him, and it just brings more competitiveness. It's something Poles wants. He wants competitiveness in training camp, and this guy's going to bring some competitiveness. He's a former first-round pick. You know, he's a freak athlete. Just looking at his history, I mean, the guy can play. He was a track runner. He's a basketball player. In high school, it was you know state qualifier and track. Like this guy got some ability, and obviously, you know he hasn't done great in the league, but just going to bring competitiveness, a change of scenery, and like like you alluded to earlier, usually it's the guys that come to New England and, and change their careers around. Mm-hmm. But there's New England's not the same team. They don't have Tom Brady there, where teams can come and play with Tom Brady. They don't got Josh McDaniels right now. They don't have the the pieces in place where you just plug them. And they don't have the Rob Gronkowski's that you're going to be playing with right now. That offense is not the same offense. So it's a little bit more difficult for those players just to come in and be naturally successful like that right now. And you were talking about when you were traded to Detroit on a Tuesday, you show up on Sunday. Now, obviously, he's going to have a little bit of time to get acclimated. What's it like for him right now? Now, this is obviously a move that he wanted to make. He's probably excited about the opportunity to get to Chicago. What do you do? Like, what is what is what does Inkeel do? Does he reach out to Justin Fields? Is he calling people? I'm assuming Justin is calling him. But what did you do? Did you reach out to your teammates? How does that work? So, um, with me, when I signed with the with the Saints, which was my last year in the league, I signed before OTAs. But it's a similar type deal. You, you sign and then you go right into OTAs and you go into training camp. You know, I, like I said, with New England. And ended up with uh, with Detroit there. 
I, I went right into practices and, you know, you're in the game weeks, you're meeting everybody and everything's flying at you. This is a good time for him because yeah. right now it's before training camp. You'll get a chance. You'll get a playbook. You'll get to look at the book. You'll get to go in and meet the coaches. What he needs to do is he does need to contact Justin Fields, see if there's somewhere he can go. Are the guys throwing somewhere? Go meet the guys. But more importantly than that, that's not a necessity. What he needs to do is he needs to get in the book. Just get familiar with the terms. So you can get in training camp. You know what you're doing. You're not behind schedule. And you can start competing. Talk to your coach. Get in the book. Learn the offense. Meet the coaches. And that's more important what I would think if, if I was him in his position, I want to get in the book, meet the coaches, obviously find a way, maybe just on Instagram or social media. Hey, Justin, like if you and the guys are, are thrown anywhere, I want to come throw, meet the guys and obviously try to get on the same page. But the training camp for him, a guy coming in now is going to be very important and then moving into those preseason games. So I think he's in a good spot to, to, to still come in and compete for a job. Yeah. It seems interesting. Like it just, it's amazing to me the way, the way the world works now. Like Instagram is probably the easiest way to get a hold of a lot of these players. And if you look at Justin Fields' Instagram account or his Twitter account or anything like that, he is not taking it. Like every day, it's like a new workout video. Here's him yeah. grinding. What has been your impression of him over the last couple of weeks? Because it feels like he has not slowed down one bit. Like even when he's on vacation or whatever, I know there was the video about him on a treadmill and everybody made fun of him for it. But it feels like he's really taking his training and his situation coming into this season very seriously. You know, I'm a social media guy, and I like posting my workouts. I'm a, you know, I'm a certified strength and conditioning coach. I'm a personal trainer, so I love posting um, those workouts. But I think it shows that he is a guy that's committed. He's going to be out there and work every day. I mean, he doesn't need to – you know, you never see Tom Brady posting workout videos or, <laughs> or you know, a lot of these guys. Like, they don't need to show that. But Tom Brady's an old man, though. He is an old man. You're right. He's, he didn't grow up in the social media, the social media um, era, but he does have some funny stuff out there. I like his social media when he starts sure. doing like the, the, the stuff during the, the game week. But uh, I think, yeah, I think Fields is, I think Fields is doing a great job. He's, he's, um, he's showing his workout. He's got some work ethic and, you know, our second string guy, uh, Trevor Simeon, my buddy out there from, from Northwestern, obviously always got to give Simeon a shout out. My Northwestern guy, I told you I was I was his his wide receiver last year when he was yeah. playing in New Orleans. He lives in Chicago. So he texted me like, yo, can you come and catch some balls? So I'm out there running routes as a receiver, as a tight end, just so Simeon can get prepared for the season. Um so yeah, I think that's I think that's interesting. I think Pringle, you know, Velas Jones, Mooney, and then you know, you add him. I think this Harry, I think this receiving core is not gonna be you know, as bad as everybody's thinking, you know, people are saying they got the worst receivers in the league. I think it's going to be a competitive group, competitive training camp. I'm looking forward to seeing, um, you know, who steps up. Yeah. I, I think that any receiving room that has Darnell Mooney cannot be considered one of the worst. And I know we talked about it before. What are your impressions of Darnell Mooney? What do you think's in store for him this season? And can moves like this bringing in veterans like Nikhil Harry, does that help him out? How do you feel that he's going to do this season? I think it helps him out for sure. And since the first, I'm not trying to say this is real. Since I first saw Mooney play, I go, this guy is special. You, for me, something I look at is just how natural and confident players are when they play. And I can tell that through the way guys run routes and catch the football. Mooney's a guy who will catch the ball and continue through his, his move. He's not going to catch the ball and brace for impact or something. 
Mooney is a special player. He's got incredible hands. He runs great routes. I, I, the sky's the limit. I think they obviously need some players to step up. Got to have Pringle, St. Brown, Harry. Somebody on the outside's got to step up to clear up some space and to make some match, some matchup problems. I know, obviously, you know, with with the running game, you know, people are you know people are saying you know the Bears running game, but I think you know I think we got one of the best running backs in the league. I think Montgomery. He only averaged 3.8 yards per carry, but he averaged over two, two and a half after contact. If this offensive line can block a little bit, I think David Montgomery is a top five running back. Not just say, David Montgomery is a top five running back. Mooney, in my opinion, is a top 15 receiver. I'm, I'm that high on Mooney and that high on Montgomery. So if, if fields can play, if the offensive line can block and some of these outside receivers can um can can show they can get open they can separate and catch the football i think that the bears have a chance this year to really surprise some people on offense and obviously you see you know fields out here like training like the terminator on social media so right. that's good that is amazing although i will say who was it espn who was disrespecting david montgomery who didn't like i don't know i again i don't want to get too wrapped up into preseason rankings and everything like that but it seems real disingenuous to not have David Montgomery amongst at least the top 10 running backs. Obviously, we're you know a little biased, but yeah. you can watch him. He is an exceptional running back who played in an offense that didn't necessarily cater to what everybody's skill set was. I, I think it's ridiculous that people just seem to be overlooking him. Incredible running back. I've played with and seen a lot of good running backs in my day. Um, you know, in Philly, I played with LaShawn McCoy for four seasons. You know, I played, in, you know, in Jacksonville. We didn't really have a, a go-to guy, but guys like Jordan Todman, Maurice Jones-Drew, you know, guys who are 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 good players. You know, I've I've played with Theo Riddick, and I, I've never seen a guy like David Montgomery that he just a pure runner breaks tackles will take that first hit and just fall forward. He's he's small and compact, but with so my saving grace last season, I'm you know, I don't know if this Bears team's, you know, hoping they're gonna be good with the guy David Montgomery. But that's gonna keep him in some games. The guy like that, a running back like him, this offensive line can come together. You get the running game going, you know, get fields going. I think it's uh pretty tough. Yeah, I think there's a lot of positivity surrounding this Bears team. They're probably going to be better on offense than a lot of people are giving them credit for. And I do want to take a time, uh, a moment right now to remind everybody that AM 1530 WCKG in Chicago is the Chicago home of the sick podcast. You can hear us Friday afternoons, 2 PM Chicago time. And then after us, the no name, uh, the no name pod comes on with Olin and Jason. They do a great job. Two hours of quality Bears talk that you will not find anywhere. And so we're we're very proud to be part of that family. And we appreciate everybody who's been listening to us in Chicago. And we want to thank everybody who's been joining us here on YouTube, through the live chats and everything like that. And as a matter of fact, we got some questions starting to roll through. So Sammy, if we can start rolling, uh, putting out some of those, some of those tweets. Um and so John leads his on. John Laurie wants to know, and John, of course, is a, been a regular contributor here. He wants, do you think that Inkeel Harry will be a good fit for Justin Fields? I will say this. Um, he's not necessarily a speed guy, but he makes the contested catches, which I think can help out a lot. What do you think about the fit with Justin Fields? 
as I say that, as you're taking a swig, I apologize. I'm like no. the waiter who shows up right as you put a bite of food in your mouth and be like, how's your meal? But um, oh, how do you think about the meal? Um, no, I think he's a great fit. He's a huge, he's huge for a receiver. I mean, he's six, two and a half, 230 pounds in college coming out. I think he was like top three or four in the country in contested catches. So I think he'll be a great pick, uh, a great fit for Fields. And then also, he's one of the top blocking receivers in the league. Justin Fields loves to run the ball. You know, you, they have some design quarterback runs. Obviously, you don't want to see a lot of that, but he scrambles a lot. And for a guy that will move around and get out of the pocket, it's a guy that will help make those long plays break. He knows how to block downfield, he's an effort guy. Not only is he a big target, can make contested catches, not gonna, you know, not gonna outrun many people, but I think that helps too. The fact that he will block a lot of receivers, you know, they're pretty, they want to catch the ball, they want to score their touchdowns. With this guy, hey, he says, Hey, I know I got a block. And, you know, to me, that's always impressive. Obviously, he's a tight end. I always respected the receivers when you see him block and always go and you give him a little pound, but hey, man, appreciate yeah. a great block. You know, when we have a big run and the cornerback makes a tackle 15 yards down the field receiver holds that block it might be a touchdown those are the big deals you know instead of averaging 3.8 yards of carry you, david montgomery busts a couple of these runs because the cornerback or the safety aren't in on the play i think that's huge and that you know that could help the run game greatly yeah that's one of the things that i always enjoy as a football fan is any wide receiver who loves to block and like growing up i remember michael irvin really took a lot of pride in blocking we've seen recently guys like odell beckham jr jarvis landry those guys love blocking. So that's that's Harry's calling card. And if that if he brings that to the, to the Chicago Bears, I'm a huge fan of that. But uh, Sammy, how about another question, please? Oh, see, I got to pull out my glasses. Rick, what's going on, buddy? Now, Eberflus talks about competition all the time. Um, is the Harry trade not just to silence the critics, but also to provide competition for guys like Equinemius St. Brown. Like we talk about this, like Daz Newsome. These are guys like not everybody is guaranteed a spot on this roster. Is this also a shot to the guys who are already here? Yeah, I think that I think that's what it's doing. Whenever, if as a tight end, whenever I saw the team, I don't care if he's an undrafted free agent, if he's a veteran guy, you knew who the guys were coming in you had to compete against. Not that you need that, but sometimes you would get comfortable. I never like to be comfortable or anything like that, but sometimes it'd be hard not to. You look at the roster, you go, okay, I'm making this team. There's no way I could see a <clears throat> any scenario in which one of these guys will beat me out. But now, you know, some of these receivers, St. Brown, Pringle, I think Pringle's pretty, you know, pretty much locked in there, but Sharp. They see Harry coming in. They say, okay, you know, this this roster just got a little bit tougher. So now maybe they keep five receivers. Could only keep four. We got three good tight ends, five receivers. Who knows? I got to make sure I'm on my stuff. I got to make sure I'm contributing on special teams, make sure I'm doing all the little things to make sure that I make this roster. Yeah. How do, when you have a, when you have a player come in like Harry, now obviously his NFL career hasn't progressed the way a lot of us would have expected being a first round pick, do the players on the roster look at him like, ah, oh, this guy has not done anything in New England? Or do they look like, oh my God, this guy was a first round pick. I better get my stuff together. I think you look at him, it's a little bit of both, right? So you're like, okay, this guy was a first round pick. Like this guy's a big deal. He has talent. And you know, as a player that there's this guy, there's something about him. He was a first round pick. If you're a first round pick in the locker room, that brings in an, an aura of, 
it's like almost like a mystical thing. You were a first-round pick. You know, there's a lot of undrafted guys in there, late-round guys in there. But when you have a first-round pick in there, that's special. So that does bring in, in a certain aura of, you know, wow, this guy, you know, this guy was this, he was here. So that's special. That first-round pick, they will look at him like that. And obviously he hasn't really panned out in New England, but there, there is going to be that, okay, this guy can play. There's something there. He's a first-round pick for a reason. And the New England Patriots, it's a yeah. pretty decent It's a pretty decent team, you know, if I could yeah. say so. I mean, the, the New England Patriots are, you know, the gold standard in the NFL. I still, I mean, obviously they haven't, they've had a tough couple of years, but hey. No, absolutely. Yeah, nobody's really, I mean, nobody's running off strings of Super Bowls like they have. We have these teams winning Super Bowls here and there, but nobody's had this sustained success like the New England Patriots. So that absolutely matters. Sammy, how about another question, please? Oh, my gosh. I don't know if you saw this, Clay, but, of course, I've been doing Good Morning Football all weekend, yeah. or all week, I should say. I'm used to doing the weekend show. But yeah. I had a Walter Payton jacket. I don't know if you caught it, but Roots of Fight, I had my Walter Payton jacket on. Did you happen to see it? If not, I, I can... didn't see the jacket. You're going to oh, have to take gosh. this one. I'm sure it was a great, uh, you know, you got a fashion sense, but uh, I didn't get to see the jacket. Yeah, if you missed the show, anybody who uh, follows me on Instagram, I think it's on my Instagram story. I did tag Roots of Fight. They do a great job. Uh, it, this shirt, as a matter of fact, is Roots of Fight. They have a collection, a Walter Payton collection. You see Jarrett wearing it all the time as well. Hoodies, shorts, all this stuff. It's pretty much what I've been wearing, especially now that you know the Angels aren't doing so well. It's all Bears gear all the time. And of course, being here at Good Morning Football Week, or Good Morning Football, no, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the big show now. But uh, was rocking that gear today, so I will have to ask you to go. Well, you don't I'll have check to. out your story as soon as we get off here. I'm oh, go no, no, it's fine. It's fine. No, I was, you know, and I'm actually walking around New York City, and I don't know, you come out here a lot, so it's probably not as special to you, but like I will be walking and then find myself under the like Empire State Building and be like, oh, there that is. <laughs> it's just weird. It's just weird. It happens a lot. It happens. It's ah, all sorts of things like, oh, there's the Ghostbusters thing. It's amazing. I, I love this place. But uh, Sammy, how about another question, please? Uh, Ninos, Adam. Uh, hey, Rank. Uh, I'm happy with the current wide receivers, but I'm biting my nails on who's going to be the left tackle. What do you say? Now, for me, and Clay, you know, you've gone through situations like this. We've seen a lot of shuffling on the offensive line, but it's all before pads have been put on. Yeah. Should we should we make too much of a... a a judgment on what we've seen so far, or does it really not matter until the end of this month when everybody's in camp in pads? Okay. Back, back in the wild West, you know, 2009, 2010, back when 2011, I was a young guy. Tell a quick 20 second story. I remember I got drafted and then you go right into OTAs. I didn't, I thought OTAs were like they are now, you know, you're running around full pads, tackle yeah. OTAs were like that. Then you went into training camp. There were no rules where you had to have three practices. We did 20 as a rookie. There was rookie training camp. And then the, the, he, the vets got a couple days off. We did 24 straight days of tackle football with Andy Reid. I remember calling my brother and be like, yo, like, I, you know, I'm happy. I got drafted, you know, fourth round. This is great. I don't think this is for me, man. I love football, but this is the, the most intense thing. It can't even be considered the same game. What we did that first year in my second year. And then the NFLPA made these new, you had the, the uncapped year, the lockout, made these changes to where you can only have like three practices and you had to have an off day. 
incredible the difference elongated careers like crazy but no with for offensive linemen when you have the pajamas on there's no way you can judge what these guys can do and do together obviously there's a learning curve there as, as a coach if you can see if a guy can pick up the scheme is he going the right way did he did he go on inside zone right did he take a you know an outside zone step did he go left like there's little things you can pick up on but as far as how a player plays as an Offensive lineman cannot see the physicality, cannot see the hand placement. You cannot see anything basically that you need to see from an offensive lineman. And that all comes in training camp. And as far as you know, the left tackles concerned, you know Jenkins, you know uh, Davenport. I think there's some guys there that can compete, and you know we'll see what happens. I mean, it's not a strong position, but I think it's a position that they can, you know, get by with. Do you think sometimes that coaches kind of, you know, send a message to a player where, especially a player like Tevin Jenkins, and no disrespect to him, I'm not saying that he's a bad player by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, he didn't play a lot as a rookie. He yeah. battled through some injuries. Is this just a situation where, hey, we want to see how he responds to a little bit of adversity because we really want him to take that next step because he obviously has a lot of talent. Well, I think this year they need him to take that step, but they do. They they want to put him in a situation. They'll do that to guys, and I've heard coaches talk about it. They would start fights with certain guys. They would tell a player, "Hey, start a fight today and practice with him because we, you know, we want to get his motor going. You know, he hasn't been, you know." So guys would literally start fights with certain players to try to push their buttons, and the coaches are over there, you know, taking a note, seeing how the guy reacts. Coaches will do a lot of different things. Obviously, bring players in, put pressure on them. But that's huge. You know, they're only going to go as far as their offensive line this year. You got to protect Fields. He's still a young guy. He still takes, you know, maybe a tick too long to, to get rid of the ball. So they're going to have to hold up. So I think it's it's a very important year for, for Tevin Jenkins. And I'll be I'll be interested to see how he responds to this. Yeah, I am too. I, I still have a lot of faith in him. And I remember going into last season, you know, a lot of people when the Bears were, well, this goes back to the Justin Fields draft where we were mocking Tevin Jenkins to us at pick number 20. So to be able to get him in the second round was kind of a score. We just need to see a little bit more over the uh, over the next couple of years. Uh, let's have another question, though, Sammy. Love bears all. We seem to be banking on the new coaching staff to improve the team. But does Getze's lack of play calling worry you? What do you say, Clay? Here's what kind of worries me about Getze is the fact that he was playing with he was with you know Aaron Rodgers mm -hmm. the last two years. You know, I hope he he knows obviously he's a smart guy, he's gotten this far that you're playing with a completely different type of quarterback. People saying that, you know, this guy, hey, this guy, he's taking success and he's taking that success that the Packers had as far as statistically and as an offense. And for me, I'm thinking he's literally telling Aaron Rodgers nothing. There's <laughs> basically nothing he's telling Aaron Rodgers that he hasn't seen. This guy is like Tom Brady. Like you're in the you're in the meeting room of Tom Brady, and I'm in New England. Even Matt Stafford, guys like that. I mean, they're they're in the meetings. They're taking the meetings as they're a coach too. Tom Brady's literally stopping, rewinding, pointing stuff out in the meeting. It's not like it's just Getzy. He had Aaron Rodgers. So yeah, me, this is his first test. You got a young quarterback in Justin Fields. He's not your typical quarterback. He's not a guy that's going to drop back three steps, five steps ball out, ball out, ball out. Obviously, you want to get him to that.
But from what I've seen, he's a little late. Obviously, he's got talent, like nobody's business. He's got a good arm, all that. But can he have an offense and call plays to be successful with Justin Fields and not having a crutch to lean on as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time? That's what scares me. You get used to having a guy like Aaron Rodgers to lean on, and obviously then Devontae Adams. Look who you got now. You know, obviously we love Mooney and you know everybody there, but you don't got Adams and you don't got Rodgers. So it's going to be a big, it's going to be a big change for him. Yeah, I think there is a you know a learning curve for him as well. And again, this is probably why I would caution people. And I'm probably the most optimistic Bears fan around, so maybe I should be giving myself my own advice. But there'll there'll be some plays, they'll, they'll do some things. But as long as he's not calling jet sweeps on fourth and two, I think that's <laughs> that's a that's an improvement. If he's, you know, again, I under, I understand, and I know that Matt Nagy is a friend of yours, and we don't want to make too much fun of him. It's difficult to do. I think it's difficult to do both jobs. But I think having a guy whose sole focus is like, listen, you just run the off. And that's all you need to do. Hopefully some of the wisdom that you gained from being in the same quarterback room, not only with Aaron Rodgers, but Nathaniel Hackett, who's now the head coach in Denver, you know, there is going to be, you know, these guys, you know, we saw it with Adam Gase, who Adam Gase was touted as this offensive genius because Jay Cutler had his best season with Adam Gase. Peyton Manning had his best season with Adam Gase, but you're like, those are still two quality quarterbacks. Yeah. Like obviously Peyton Manning being one of the best in the game. Jay Cutler, a very talented player who knows what he's doing. We can pump the brakes a little bit. So I, I just feel that what I've heard so far with designing an offense that's revolving around Justin Fields, working on his mechanics, I think those are things that will definitely help out. He might not go out and throw for 5,000 yards this season, but I think we should see – some marked improvement. Okay, how about another question there, Sammy? From Vaughn, uh, what are the receivers you have making the roster now and how many on the final 53? Now, I, again, we talked about this where Darnell Mooney is the undisputed number one. Byron Pringle should be the number two. Bayless Jones Jr. was a third-round draft pick. He is making the roster. I think it comes down to the guys like Equinemius St. Brown. You know, there was a problem with David Moore. Uh, his arrest over the 4th of July weekend calls into question. And really, there's probably somebody who should be feeling the heat right now because not only from the police, but you know, from the fact that they're bringing in a former first-round pick now, yeah. a guy that we really like. So I think that Equinemius and David Moore, like I and Daz Newsom, I think Daz Newsom is, is in real trouble. I, I wouldn't feel very comfortable right now if I was one of those three guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to come down to special teams usually if you keep five or six. But we got Mooney, Pringle, Jones, Harry. That's four. And then um, St. Brown, Newsom, Sharp, you know, more. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if they keep six, five, it's it, right now, I'd say it's, you know, St. Brown, Harry, Jones, Pringle. And Mooney, but you know, it depends if keep five or six. And like I said, I've been saying I really love this. Um, I really love this tight end group with Komet, O'Shaughnessy, you know, Ryan Griffin. I know they're not the biggest name guys, but now I've played with them in the past. And though we talked about it when we were on last time. Like these are these are definite players that you know 
because they've scored touchdowns in key situations. Like yeah. they're, I again, like it's not you didn't sign Tony Gonzalez. Yeah, but at the same time, you you sign guys who can play in the NFL, like and play at a high level. So I agree with you. I run and catch, and I, you know I love the tight ends. That not just the tight ends. I want to do all the pretty stuff and you know catch the football. You know those guys to me, I'm actually pretty annoyed. I'm like that's that's not fair. How do you get to do that job? You don't have to do any of the blocking. But these guys, these guys like to block. These guys can catch and run, and they can do it all. So you know I think that that's a, a huge upside for the for the Bears this year. Yeah, that's that's the the tone that they're setting with Matt Eberflus is having those grinders, those absolute football players who go out there and not afraid to do the dirty work. So that's what we love to see. So I could see five. I don't know. Again, I think it, like you said, it comes down to special teams. That's going to be a big thing as well. And it feels like the way the Bears were drafting a lot of these guys, special teams is going to be a huge factor. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. All right, Sammy, how about another question? If we have one, that's it. Uh, Ethan. Hey, Ethan, what's going on? Uh, do you think the Bears are done acquiring players? You know what? I mean, this one kind of came out of nowhere. You know, everybody's been out on vacation, but the Bears still managed to swing a deal in a time when not a lot of things are happening around the NFL. Do you think the Bears are still going to make some moves over the next couple of weeks? You know, this usually the deals aren't to this caliber. Obviously, it's not a huge caliber. But this is a former first-round pick, and you're trading a draft pick. There'll be a lot of guys coming in and out, and you'll see a guy that gets cut from a team. The Bears will bring him in. You see that a lot as a player, you know, in the day. But as far as big name guys, trades and stuff happening, you know, I don't see. I mean, it's possible, but I don't see much happening come the start of training camp, barring some sort of an injury where you really need to make a move for someone. You don't feel comfortable with anybody in free agency, anybody in your roster. So, I mean, I'd say the roster is probably pretty much set. You're going to have uh, the bottom of the roster is going to fluctuate a lot. You're going to bring in some undrafted free agents, you know, a guy that gets released from a team you want to take a peek at, and there'll be some fluctuation there. But as far as your core team, guys that you'll see on the field on Sunday and will be a big part of your roster, I don't, I don't see anything happening, you know, after training camp starts. Yeah, and it's one of the things that we saw with the Baker Mayfield trade. Now, that has been, you know, going on since the draft. And it's taken this long for that to finally play out this week or just recently. I have to believe that the Bears have been working on this for quite some time. Yeah. They're trying to get their ducks in a row, figure out the compensation. And credit to Ryan Poles for just standing his ground, not giving up a sixth-round pick or even a fifth-round pick. Again, I would have to go back and look at the terms of the deal. So forgive me if I get this wrong. But it doesn't seem like it's uh, compensatory. Like, it, I don't know that it moves up if, if Harry makes any sort of significant strides this year. So this is, these are the kind of moves that we really like. And again, this is one that we've been calling for on this podcast for a lot of the reasons. I think that, you know, the, the upside is there. We remember watching him at Arizona State. He was a tremendous player. So again, I think that'll be a pretty good opportunity. All right, Sammy, what about another question, please? Uh, Michael Leisure, uh, do you envision a strong defensive special teams type of team like bears uh like past bears team yeah what do you think the uh, identity do you think there'll be a lot of uh significance on the special teams and defense you know i think so i think that's something they want obviously you know i'm an old school bears fan i mean uh, my favorite bears team is the erlacher briggs mike brown charles tillman alex brown defensive end those are my favorite teams. You know, you had Hunter Hillenmeyer as the third linebacker. I mean, 
I love those teams. You know, Ted, even the Ted Washington defensive tackle. I don't think they're going to be yes. anything like that. But I think they will have a strong defense. You know, I love Roquan Smith. Roquan's a buddy of mine. I'll hang out with him in the city often. Um, I think I think they got some good players. I don't think they're going to be to that level of, of that Bears team. But another thing is I think some of their super their best players are on offense. David Montgomery. I mean, I said it again. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Like, to me, he's a top-five running back. I know people kill me for that, but I think he's a top-five running back. You put him in the situation as some of these other guys. The guy's incredible. Just watching him play, I would love to have blocked for him. Mooney, I think, is one of the most underrated receivers in the league. The guys, the way he runs routes, his hands, he can take punishment. He's not that big. Obviously, you got Fields, and um, I think those three guys are, are three your, your big time players. So I don't think going to be the old school Bears team. You had the Erlacher, the Briggs, the, you know, the big polarizing guys on the defensive side of the ball. But uh, I think they're definitely going to have a solid defense this year. And he showed in the draft. You know, everybody wanted Eberflus to go receivers, and you know, we went defense first. No, you really love that. You know, I, again, that was one of the things I was calling for was for them to look at the offensive side of the football, wanted to see us be able to score some points. But the more that you see Kyler Gordon, the more that you see Jaquan Brisker, you really love the talent that those guys bring. And again, how, how quickly, though, do you think, you know, you talk about those great teams with Erlacher and Lance Briggs, you know, a big, a big part of that were guys like Peanut Tillman and Mike Brown. How quickly... Could the Bears get to that level? I think, you know, like like you said, I mean, Kyler, Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, we got, I mean, Roquan's not, not old by any stretch of the imagine, imagination. They got some good players. You know, Muhammad, I like Tonga. I like, you know, Robert Quinn's still there. I think he still brings that veteran presence. I think, you know, a couple seasons you get this, uh, you get this secondary turned around and experienced and, you have, a, you have a pretty solid defense there. I think it could happen, and I know that's the identity that Chicago loves is that strong defense, the supporting offense, and that great special teams unit. And so that's what we grew up on, man, a guy like Devin Hester. I wish there was a guy like him out there again, yeah. just turn games around. I so love watching him, but special teams and defense, I mean, that's Bears football. Yeah, you know what? And don't sleep on Bayless Jones Jr. being that guy. I know before the draft, somebody had asked the show, like, what do you they, randomly before the draft, just offered up Bayless Jones Jr. as a possibility. And I was shocked, you know, because I remembered him from USC, didn't pay a lot of attention to him at Tennessee. You're like, oh, he's a great special teams guy who can come in and contribute. Obviously went back, watched more film uh, once he was drafted by our team. But you know what? I always liked him as a guy who could instantly uh, compete on special teams. Now, uh, my computer is running down, but I, I think we have time for one more. And I, by the way, I want to thank the Bears for making this trade tonight so that we had something to talk about. Because it this would have been a lot of us talking about the Bachelor and Bachelorette. <laughs> yeah. But I and again, I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to confine you to that because I really do, and I found this the last time that we talked. I really appreciate your football insights. And again, making it in the league for as long as you did is an absolute accomplishment. So uh we we, we love talking to you, we love your insights on that. So Sammy, why don't we bring up one more question? Uh, bring us a good closer. Uh, how was Bayless BTS? What is this? What does this mean? Behind the scenes. Is Behind that- the scenes. Oh my gosh, Tony Black. I'm not. I'm not down with your young kids vernacular. Um, you know what? Let me tell you. I'll I'll tell you a story real quick. Is uh, we do the podcast, and you know what? I didn't want to keep Bayless too long. So you know, and on on the show, a, a reminder. You can you can catch the show 
Friday afternoons at 2 p.m. on AM 1530, WCKG in Chicago. And so I didn't want to take up a lot of his time. So we were like, hey, Bayless, thank you so much for uh, for dropping by. We'll see you later. And then normally, you know, because we still had more show going on, people would just bounce. Be like, okay, we'll see you later. He, he yeah. stuck around and watched the show. Well, yeah. oh, and wow. I'm like, and I'm like, if you're going to watch yeah. the show, come back. We'll get you back on. Like, I I, yeah. I, I thought I was doing, because he was in a hotel room. Yeah. I didn't want to spend, you know, like, you don't want to take up too much of his time, uh, like I'm doing to you right now. But, like, no. He's a, he's a great guy. Have you had a chance to meet him by any chance? I haven't had a chance to meet him. I'm looking forward to getting out there and um, checking out some some training camp and, um, you know, preseason games and really getting to, you know, watch some of the team. But I haven't got to see any of the any of the guys yet this year. Okay. Well, listen, if not, maybe we can foster a, uh, an introduction or something like that. You're going to love him. Once you get it, once you get a chance to know him, he is such a nice kid. Like everything that you're seeing is genuine. He's a very thoughtful, very respectful person. The, the maturity that goes along with being a 25 year old master's degree, uh, holder, like it just, wow. It just, he yeah. has a master's degree. He does a math. That's what he did. He went to Tennessee and got his master's. Like he, that's impressive. He, yeah, it was that's one very of, impressive. It is one of the things that people they would they love to make fun of his age, but you're like, well, he he did go and get his master's. Like, yeah, education's important. He learned an additional skill, uh, which was route running and everything like that. But listen, uh, Clay, thank you very much for uh, joining us. Uh, we, we listen. We reached out. Speaking about behind the scenes, we reached out to Clay at the last moment. He graciously agreed to be here tonight. You're a big star. You don't have to do that. We appreciate it. We now consider you a friend of the show. So I hope we can do this again in the near future. And perhaps, you know, while we're both out here in New York, maybe we can meet up. I don't know. Yeah, um, for sure. I'm out here. So um, at any time, I would, I would love to come on the show. I'd love talking bears. You know, I'm a Chicago guy, Chicago native. You know, you give me a time and a place, I'll go talk bears with you all day, all night. But um, yeah, I'll be out here in New York City. So you want to grab a uh, cup of coffee or something, talk some football, yes. I'm, I'm in. I will, you know, I might hold you to that. Uh, but thank you so much for being here tonight. And uh, we appreciate it. And there he goes, the uh, the great Clay Harbor. So we want to thank him. We want to thank the Bears for making a move. Want to remind everybody, Friday afternoon, WCKG in Chicago, AM 1530. We will be back with Ill Will is scheduled to join us for the latest version of the podcast. So it is, uh, it, it's bound to be a great show. So hopefully you will check it out. That will drop Thursday afternoon. You can listen to it, of course, in Chicago, AM 1530 WCKG. So for, uh, for everybody, for Sammy and the sick team, uh, we thank you for being here. Bear down and go ahead and roll that animation. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.